0: I have the privilege of talking about one of my favorite topics. Um, this month we're doing a discipleship theme. And um, discipleship is important to me because discipleship is the very strategy that Jesus gave us to reach people. Amen? So, Matthew 28, verse 18. Um, Starts with the Great Commission. Do any of you know it? Anybody brave enough to, to say it? The Great Commission. Go make disciples of the nations. So it starts off with this. Jesus says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you till the end of the age. And so there's this, there's a, there's this amazing commission given by Jesus. So he says, Don't go make converts. Don't go make very good church people. Don't go make fantastic musicians. All of them very, very valuable. Indeed, especially the musicians, thanks Kristin, but he says, "Go and make disciples and um well, while we were while well, Omo and I were talking about discipleship there's something that that we uh, a conclusion that we came to is that if we were going if if we were going to do a pro and con about our church, a con would be not that we don't have amazing people, we do have amazing people. It's that those amazing people exhibit a they don't believe that they can disciple. And so we and we started to pray because there's a lot of people that we talk to and they're like, I, I don't think that I can lead. It just it, it dumbstrucks me to see the incredible people in this church, how a lot of you have overcome. Uh, incredible things, shown immense character, and you don't think you can disciple. Um, I, I don't know. I, I spoke to a guy just this last week, and he says, "Now I'm in this small group, and and I don't, I don't think, um, you know, I can disciple. I don't think I can disciple anyone." So I said, um, "How long have you been sober from drugs?" Uh, two and a half years, so you overcame a drug addiction, committed yourself to Christ, and you don 't think you can dis- you don 't think you can disciple anyone you know it, 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 i don 't understand that <laughs> the grace of God is so evident upon your life, and not only that, but what you have been given you 've been such a good steward of who is more qualified to disciple somebody about a drug addiction me or him you know well, obviously if there's somebody comes in there who's been struggling with drugs i'm going to send them to him this guy has shown fruit in his life he's been faithful with what he has given and so i want to the sermon is to encourage you and to convince you that you are amazing disciples and disciplers Because that is what a disciple does. A disciple intentionally replicates themselves within another person. So that means that if you are following Christ, you will replicate Christ in another person. If you are not following Christ, then you will replicate whatever it is you're following in another person. So the ownership on you is then to follow Christ. So... But before we get there, I want to talk to you about humility. And um, one of my favorite things, I love, I love these sort of conversations. You go to someone and say, hey, Christo, you, can, you play the guitar so well. And then Christo goes, no, hypothetically speaking, you didn't actually do this. So then, you know, if I'm talking to Christo, somebody like Christo, they go, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was, it was Jesus and then I'm very tempted to say, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> it was you, buddy. <laughs> we, we have this idea that humility is the art of shunning off uh, compliments. You know, it's not, it's not me, it's Jesus. And Jesus is like, but I've given you an ability to play the guitar. And so my my personal definition of humility, it's an ability to see yourself through through God's eyes. Can you look at yourself? Can you ask God, what do you see when you look at me? And have a very, very honest conversation. And many people are very, very good at seeing their faults. Okay? I need to be better with my time management. I need to be better at, you know, saying nice things to my wife, I need to be better at this, and I need to be better at this. But if I was to say, what what are the pros? If you were going to do a pro and con, list, have an honest conversation with, about, with yourself about the way God sees you, what would be the pros? What would you say are amazing features about yourself? That's where people, uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, you know. Um, and that's what I want to talk about, because God has made us and declared us to be the righteousness of himself, that we are sons and daughters of God, and, um, the, and it requires humility in order to accept that. And it's not for your sake, it's for the glory of God. So let's open up our Bibles to John 13, it's one of my favorite scriptures Um, This is a passage of scripture that I go back to quite often. I think it really shaped the way I I look at ministry and shaped the way I I look at people. Um, I'm going to read um, quite a large section from verse 1 to verse 17, so bear with me, but I don't like to read single verses because I think you miss the context. Um, So it's always... And also, if you're doing your own personal quiet time, it's a very valuable tool just to... If you're reading a single verse, just read it in its its chapter, in its paragraph, or get the full context of the verse. Okay, let's start from verse 1. I'm going to slowly work through this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that it had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So this passage makes very clear in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. So Je- it makes very clear that Jesus was not washing the disciples' feet out of a state of pity or self-pity. Um, it, it makes very clear that Jesus knew that he had all things in his hand, that he had all authority in his hand, that he had the kingdom in his hand, all things. The, the, the Greek word for all means all. All things, great. It's oh, funny, just seeing if you guys are awake. Okay. So when he's washing the feet, he's not doing this from a place of self-pity. He's doing this from a place of understanding exactly who he is in Christ. Okay, let's read on from verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand, but afterwards you will understand. So this is very important. So now Jesus is imparting a sense of identity and your understanding is not necessary for you receiving identity okay identity is not an intellectual thing identity is a receiving thing okay you with me peter said to him you shall never wash my feet jesus answered him if i do not wash you you have no share with me simon peter said to him lord not not then only my feet but also my hands and my head Jesus said to him, the one who has bath does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. So Peter is feeling this unworthiness, and it's, it's not coming from a bad place. He sees himself as the servant of Jesus, and he doesn't really understand what Jesus is doing, so he thinks that he must serve, and so he says no. And then Jesus explains what he's doing, and then he flips right onto the other side and goes, "Okay, well, not just my feet now he's getting a bit greedy, not just my feet, but then my hands and my head this is a This is a classic display of lawlessness on the one side, refusal to allow Jesus to do what he's got to do, and then a flip you know when 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 lawlessness when we sort of try and appease lawlessness we throw the baby out with the bath water, so to speak, and then we flip over to a false religion. And now we feel we've got to do more than what is required. And um, and the law of Jesus is often somewhere in between there. where We understand that there's something required of us. There's something required of Peter. He needs to sit down and keep quiet and let Jesus do what he's got to do. And then when... When he doesn't feel that's enough, then he goes on to the other side. And now he feels like, I've got to add to it. And this, this actually, Peter actually took this on into his ministry. It's also the one that Paul took on about trying to get the Gentiles to be circumcised. When the, you know, If you go read, read Galatians, um, Paul took on Peter and said, you're doing the same thing, basically. You know, there's, there's one way to be saved, and now you're trying to add to it. And and in in two verses, Peter's gone from lawlessness, I don't want to do that, I should be doing that, to a false religion. Well, okay, they're not just my feet, but what about all these other added things, okay? You guys with me? Okay. And we'll go back to the the verse, okay, for, for he knew who was to betray him, that is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you not understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. So now this is reiterating what happened in verse 3. He's not, he does have no misconceptions about who he is. He knows that he's teacher. He knows that he's Lord. He's not washing their feet from a self, place of self, self-pity. So very often if you see things repeated in a passage, or a theme repeated in a passage, you must take note of this. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet from a place of strength, understanding exactly who he is. Okay, you're with me. You call me teacher and you call me Lord. You are right, for so I am. If I, then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay, so what is Jesus trying to accomplish here? Okay. He's trying, this this actually has nothing to do with the disciples. Jesus is trying to make a statement. And the statement is that he is not greater than the one who sent him. He's not greater than his father. And throughout his whole ministry, he tried to reiterate that fact. I'm here. I only do what I see my father doing. Yeah, he said that many times. And he's trying to make a physical statement. So what, so what he's doing is, he's going, okay, a servant who washes feet, a servant washes feet, So if I wash your feet, then I am a servant, okay? And if I am a servant, then I cannot be greater than my master. He's making a logical step-by-step statement. And this has actually nothing to do with Peter. So what he's saying to Peter, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, I can't glorify my Father. I can't make this statement. I can't make this statement that, he is greater than I. Okay? So Peter, this actually has nothing to do with you. And if you don't let me do this, then you don't have a part in me because my sole reason for living and for being is to glorify my Father. And if you don't want to be a part of that, I'll go find somebody else. When we receive identity, it actually has nothing to do with you. You receive identity... Because Christ Jesus came and died on the cross. Yes, so that you can have life, but primarily that the Father would be glorified. So when I go to someone and I say, you play the guitar very well, and you say, no I don't. What essentially what you're saying is the gift that God has given me is not good enough. And I will stand in the way of, of God being glorified. We receive not because of us. It's not about us. We receive identity because we justify the shed blood of Jesus so that Christ may be glorified. We receive identity so that Jesus can make this statement, this ultimate statement, that I am not greater than my master. I am not greater than the one who sent me. And then he says, um, for I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. So what, what does he mean by that? What is this example? Well, this example first starts with an awareness of your strength. An awareness of your identity. An awareness of the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God. That you are the righteousness of God. That you are more than a conqueror. That God has come to crush Satan underneath your feet. Okay, Because if you act like a slave and try to be a slave, slave without identity, it means nothing if you wash feet. It means nothing. It means nothing if you serve, because that is what slaves do. That's what servants do. It means so much more if you, from a position of strength, knowing your identity in Christ, knowing that you have gifts from God, that you're a teacher, you're a prophet, you're an evangelist, knowing that you have an ability to speak into people's lives, knowing that you're a disciple, It means so much more from a position of strength you get onto your knees and you wash feet. You understand what I'm saying? This is what brings glory to God. When the strength of people is subjected to the glory and the majesty of God. This is the example that Christ gave us. It doesn't help you trying to be all fake modest it doesn't bring glory to God. It brings glory to God when you understand who you are in Christ. And you kneel and you wash people's feet. Because as you treat the least of these, so you treat Christ Jesus. Amen. In other words, you're, you're, it's not just a nice thing you know, we talk about Identity. It's not just a nice thing to call yourself a son of God and you're inheriting a whole lot of stuff and ooh, it's great. But your identity is also key. It's essential to making a meaningful contribution. Until you understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Until you understand that your contribution does not mean anything. In fact, Jesus says that before you are saved, your works are counted as filthy rags. Isn't that (laughs) everything that you think you've done outside of Jesus Christ means nothing? It has no eternal value. And only in Christ, understanding your identity in Christ, as a son and a daughter, as a co-heir of Christ, does your contribution have a meaning. One of my favorite stories is... um, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, and there's this little boy who comes and gives his two fishes and five loaves. And you have to, you know, I I can bet, I bet my two front teeth that there are probably people there standing there thinking, who does this boy think he is? How stupid does he have to be to think that his two fish and, and five loaves of bread can feed so many people? He's obviously really bad at maths, you know. And isn't isn't that isn't that how people act today? You know. Who are you to step out and think that you can make a difference? Just just sit down, keep quiet. You don't know what's going on in the world. You don't you don't understand. But what does that little boy know? That little boy knows that he can take whatever he's got, and he can approach Jesus. That's all that he knows. And Jesus does not think that what he has is stupid or naive. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He's got this little boy, and by the world's standards, the facts do not line up. Two loaves of, uh, two fishes and five loaves of bread do not feed 5,000 people. They do not. The facts are clear. They do not. And you have to be naive in order to think that they do. But what do we know? We know that boldly we can come into the throne room of God. Not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done. It's not his wrath and it's not his promise of punishment that lead us towards repentance, it's his goodness. The little boy knew that Jesus was good. He knew Jesus. He knew him. He knew him. Do you know Jesus? And there's another parable that Jesus tells about the um, parable of talents and one guy gets five talents, another guy gets two talents, another guy gets one talent, and the master disappears, and after a period of time, he comes back, and the guy that had five talents went out and invested the money and made five more talents, and a a, a talent was worth a, a year's worth of salary. So so just think one talent would have been take your salary for the year, that's how much money it would have been to them. So you're doing with five years. That means if he received five talents, he, would have, he could have taken a holiday for five years. You know. Um, so he took those five talents and he made five more. The master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share in the joy of a master. The guy with two talents, he does the same. Takes the money, invests it, comes back with two talents. almost like, shut well done, good and faithful servant. And then the guy with one talent, um, he goes and hides it. And he comes and gives the talent back. And And this is what he says. He says, I knew you to be a harsh, a harsh master, so I hid the talent. How do you know Jesus to be? Because the way that you know him will determine your actions if you know that he is good that you can bring him whatever you've got without fear of judgment you will act in a certain way if you know him to be a harsh master you will act in a different way so the question is how do you know jesus how do you know him to be Part of your identity is not just a son, a daughter, a co-heir, a co-conqueror, a, the righteousness of God. Part of your identity is also a discipler, a leader. Um, by nature of being able to afford a shirt with a logo on it or being able to read and write, that puts you in the top. 10% richest people and most educated people in this country. So by default, probably just by nature of sitting in this room, you are leaders of 90% of, the, of South Africa's population. No pressure. People are watching what you do. You don't think you're a leader, people watch what you do by your inaction. They watch you by your action or they watch you by your inaction. But make no mistake, they are watching you. People are watching us. What are we going to do? How are we going to act? And so the question is, how do you know Jesus? Because how you know Him will determine your actions. And your actions will speak volumes to how you lead. And you are a leader by default. Amen?